0: Jesus, you are adorable. You are adorable in that you are fully, fully worth all adoration and all exaltation. We bow before you and we say, worthy is the Lamb. We exalt you. We lift our voice with heaven and proclaim there is none like you. We are nothing without you. You are life itself. You are mercy. You are forgiveness. You are love. You are power. You are kinship. You are family. You are everything good. And you are the mediator who has brought all goodness of heaven to earth. And we are undone by the beauty of you and the humility of you. We are undone at what you think when you see us, and what you feel when you see us, and what you want to whisper when you talk to us. Intimacy with you is beyond description, and it is a realm of life that just can't be explained. You are more real than all the realities of the world, of the things we can see and touch and hear. You are the eternal reality. We embrace you. We kneel before you. We dance before you. We weep before you. We offer you the fullness of every emotion and every thought and every response. And it's still not enough to say, How grateful we are that you love us. My heart is full, and I want to talk to you personally for a long time. This is not the time. (laughs) Here we are, Jesus. We find ourselves in front of some folks, and this just... uh, Well, it just ain't the time, you know. So here we are. And you want to love them a lot, and I want you to love them a lot. And I don't know how. So if you would pretty please let your image arise within me and arise within them, I would be very, very grateful, sir. So I welcome you to walk the rose. Touch their shoulders, touch their heads. I welcome you to touch them any and every way you want and let your blood covenant manifest for all their needs. you just be the way you would be if you were here in the physical because indeed you are here. So you be free. And Holy Spirit, give us the power to receive all the love he has for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Sometimes when here on earth we ponder heavenly things, then it is by grace that we get insight, a revelation into heavenly things. Recently, as I was listening for this message, some quotes by Michelangelo just seemed incredibly prophetic for this message. He said, the true work of art is but a shadow of the divine perfection. He said, every block of stone has a statue inside of it. And it is the task of the sculptor to discover it. The sculpture is already complete within the marble block before I start my work, he said. It's already there. I just have to chisel away the superfluous material. And Michelangelo said, I saw the angel in the marble, and I carved until I set him free. I carved until I set him free. In Genesis 1, it says this, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female." He created them, and God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. In the very moment that Adam and Eve came alive, they already had the fullness of the image of God inside of them. Just like you do. When God created man and woman, it was his intent for humanity to be noble, that we as men and women would see the unspeakable honor that the Most High God himself created us, and that the Most High God said, in my image be, and that we would feel the nobility of that, the honor. And that being human would be this stunning testimony to the goodness of God, the graciousness, the generosity of God. But over time, generation upon generation, they lost the vision. And being human wasn't seen as such a noble gift anymore. We misused the gift. And it almost became a derogatory term to be human, something we should just die and kill. And even extreme religion would make you think everything about you should just die, 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 die to self. Because when you say die, die, die to self, and you don't understand the nobility of being fully human, it gets out of balance. So when Jesus came, Philippians 2 says he left all of his godness behind, his sovereignty, his position, everything. And he came to restore the Father's heart, that being human would be a noble thing. And so of all the ways that Jesus could have come, he picked up human flesh and put it on to remind us that heaven still sees being human as a noble thing, a holy thing, a wondrous thing. And he came and he was fully human with all the thoughts and all the emotions and all the responses and as a little baby fully human, a little boy fully human and as he grew He grew in grace and wisdom, and as that grace and wisdom grew in him, then the image of being the Son of God began to arise in him. I want to read some scriptures to you because they probably express his heart better than I could. But please know this. The Father desires to awaken in you tonight a totally different idea of who you are and who everyone else is. And that it would drastically change the way you look at yourself, the way you look at others, and the way you look at the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He desires to take you back to the original intent that we were created to be in his image. Let me read some scriptures to you. From Psalm 8. Oh Lord, O oh Lord, how majestic is your name! When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. Our English translators were a bit hesitant, but the Hebrew word is, You have made him a little bit lower than Elohim, which was the name for God in Genesis 1. And you have crowned man with glory and with honor. 1 Timothy 2, 5. For there is one God, and there's only one mediator between God and man. It is the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. 2 Corinthians 4 4. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Colossians 1.15. Jesus is the image of God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether in heaven or on earth, and making peace between heaven and earth by the blood of the cross. Colossians 2.9 For in Jesus, in him, the whole fullness of the deity dwells. And you, you have been filled with him. In him, the whole fullness of the deity dwells, and you, you have been filled with him. Romans 8:29 and 30: "For those he foreknew, he predestined to conform to the image of his son, that they might be the firstborn among the brothers. First Corinthians fifteen forty eight forty nine. 49. As Adam was the man of dust, we are dust. And as Jesus is the man of heaven, so are we. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we bear the image of the man of heaven. Colossians 3, 3. For you have died... And your life is hidden in Christ. Colossians 3 9 and 10. Do not lie to each other. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self and all its practices. Put on the new self, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of its. Creator. You are in the image of God. That is no small thing. Sometimes we have said, be in my image too flippantly when it was a holy, holy moment in Genesis 1. When God knelt and said, I'm putting my image inside of you. I am putting my DNA inside of you. And some in the Old Testament lived it and gathered it in from Abraham to Moses to David. But most who worshiped God forgot that being human was an honor. And it was meant to be a noble thing, to be a human, for we were to be the bearers of the image of God and his love and his authority in the earth. And when we forgot who he said we were, he sent his son to remind us, and his son could have come flying through the clouds. He could have spoke from heaven. He could have come any way, but he came to redo Genesis 1 to say, do you see this? Of all things, of all nature and all creation, I choose to put on human flesh. To remind you, it's holy. It was his highest idea for this human flesh to be honorable and noble and to walk and live and love and laugh in such a way that we constantly reminded one another of the greatness and the goodness of the Father. But we forgot the honor of being created in his image and we got all distorted and, and so Jesus had to die on the cross. And in a way that to me is beyond comprehension. His life was bookended with unspeakable vulnerability. That he who was there when all the worlds were created, and all the worlds were created through him, and without him nothing was created. This is Jesus, the power of him. And he lays it aside, and he becomes this vulnerable Little baby. And at the end of his wearing of human flesh to make it honorable and noble again, he is vulnerable again on the cross. Bookends of vulnerability, bookends of love to remind us That at any age in any season of our life, we can be as noble as we intend to be. Moses spoke the choice to a nation when he said, Choose ye this day whom you will serve. Do you want to choose life or do you want to choose death? I could go on and on with more and more scriptures of the fullness of Christ in us and, and setting our thoughts upon him. But we have a choice too, you see, every moment if we wake up. I have been given this moment. I have been given this miracle of a human body that God deemed as the highest way to carry his presence. And the master of creation who could have come up with anything said, human flesh will be my highest choice to carry my DNA into the earth. And I need them to be fully human with their thoughts and their creativity and their emotions as surely as Jesus was emotional in his ministry. And I need them to be like the sun, vulnerable and utterly dependent upon me so the image in them can
1: come out.
0: So we are constantly in this choice, like Michelangelo said, there's a treasure inside of us, only it's much higher. The Most High God himself put his DNA in you in a way that's not in anyone else. It's not in anyone else. Paul knew that. He said in 1 Corinthians 7, 17, let each person lead the life the Lord has assigned him to which God has called him, this is my rule in the church. What he was saying is, you are not to be like anyone else. Don't be like anybody else. God is too big. His image is too vast. We don't need two of anybody, and we don't need anyone acting like anyone else. What we need is to wake up to the honor the undeserved honor, that you in that physical body was perfect wisdom himself, his highest choice for how to release himself in this earth. And he is so endless. And Paul understood it. He said, each person be like anybody else. And so the journey is this choice of, shall I make choices that the image of God in me might come out? Or will I embrace the things that imprison that image within me? We have all grown up in an ungodly world. We all have been through a variety of things, and it has left its imprint unless you've been on the journey a while and God's healed you. The world would say, focus on the wounds. F- focus on your fears. Let's see what the root is of that. Let's, let's focus on this, and what did that person say to you, and what did that person do to you, and what situation did this? And that's okay. Okay. Because that's the best they know. And we're grateful for all the people they've helped with the best they know. But biblically, the call is God's DNA is in you. Let the Holy Spirit help you receive all the love he has for you. And it's like a a waterfall of his love that begins to wash the muck and mire off, just as Michelangelo might have chiseled the angel out. The waterfall of his love washes it off. And we begin to see what our God-given DNA is and we realize all this anxiety or fear or control or who knows what knows, walls, you name it that's keeping the image of God imprisoned in me and anytime I judge somebody even if I think well I'm more spiritual mature, well any of that junk just imprisons the image of God in you and you You are the jailer. You are the one alone who has the keys to let the image of God free. It's not Jesus set it free. You have the keys. We all have free will. We can be as free as we want. But if I keep my eyes on me, or I keep my eyes on others, or what position I want, or what I'm afraid of, or this Anything. I myself have placed a ceiling on my intimacy with him I've placed a ceiling on the God given DNA in me coming out and I can pray to the blue blazes show me what I'm made for give me my position what's my call but it ain't happening darling if I can be quite blunt out of sweet sweet love you're not going to hear anything because you're not living for the image of God to come out. It comes out of your insecurities and your wounds. And, and this person didn't do this and this and this. And what and I just, it comes out of insecurities. And if it floods up out of insecurities, you have this father who's going, may I pretty please love you? Can I pretty please pour my love on you? Just fix your Eyes on the author and finisher of your faith, my son, and let him wash you with his love and wash you and wash you until you see that you carry my image in you and you want that to grow more than you want to agree with all that stuff. You don't deny all the stuff, Jesus didn't deny it, he wept many times. He showed emotion. He didn't deny the humanity. But he didn't let the humanity rule of the wounds. He understood humanity was not just wounds and struggle and whatever, whatever. He understood that that's the way Earth defined being human. But his father meant for us to be in the world and to overcome it. Not because of who we are, but because he has put his image in us. And receiving his love washes and heals. Until you begin to get a glimpse of what is the God-given DNA in you. What do you carry that no one else carries? Because you see, you do. And if you think God-given DNA, dear ones, is, well, what's my position, and what should I be doing, and what's my anointing, baby, you're never going to find it. Because that's church language. It's not biblical language. Those are offices and positions. That's very different from DNA. You want to know what your God-given DNA is? Just love whoever is in front of you with every ounce of your being. And every time somebody comes to mind, determine, I'm going to love them with every ounce of my being. And don't let anything in your heart but love with every ounce of your being for every person. And you'll find that that is in such oneness with him You'll feel yourself being transformed, and you'll realize he loves you with every ounce of his being. And fears and things fall off. (laughs) That's why Paul said, you know, I bow on my knees before your father. And I pray they'll be strengthened by the Holy Spirit inside Ephesians 3, 14 and following. That they'll be strengthened. They'll have the power of the Holy Spirit to comprehend the heights, the depths, the widths, the breadths of love. So that the fullness of Christ. You see, you already have inside of you the full fullness of Christ. It's in you. It's not something you got to go to a conference for, you got to read this book for. Honey, it's inside you already. Can you believe that? The gift is already in every one of us. The same. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new baby, been on the journey forever. It's the great equalizer. That are mature are those who believe. It's not I, it's Christ that lives in me. And the fullness of the Godhead deity
1: is inside of me.
0: And in any moment, I can know his thoughts. I can feel his love, his mercy, his forgiveness. It is always there. Yearning to get unveiled inside of us in ever-increasing measure. And the more We believe, then the greater the oneness we have with him and the oneness we have with each other. And the higher we go in saying yes to the image, the fullness of God being who I am, and I choose to release it, then when we connect and we pray together, our agreement is in a totally different realm then. Because we're praying through the image, the fullness, the reality of Christ in us. Not just my fears and my worries. It's okay to pray with fears and worries. Just know you don't have to stay there. You can let the fullness of Christ in you be activated and released an ever-increasing measure. It is not denying struggles. It's embracing them. The way Christ embraced Gethsemane, the way he embraced the death of Lazarus, the way he embraced, embraced all of life with all of its emotions, but he embraced it, gathered it to himself and in to the spirit within him the Father to wash it over and to so turn it for good, as Romans 8 would say, that it just makes you love him and love others more. In John 17, Jesus said, Father, glorify me. Glorify me so I can glorify you. Try praying that for yourself. Father, glorify me that I may glorify you. Just believe the fullness of him can just carry you to a different place of love and oneness with him. Father, glorify me so I can glorify you. And listen to the beauty
1: of Jesus'
0: heart, because he's praying and he goes, I just want my joy in them. And they amplified. this is what Jesus prayed for disciples, that my joy may be made full and complete and perfect in them. That they may experience my delight fulfilled in them. You fulfill his delight. That my enjoyment may be perfected in their own souls. And they may have my gladness with them, filling their heart. It's, it's the truth that we've just lost. Being human is a noble thing. He chose to make you human and me human because perfect wisdom knew this was the highest vessel to carry him and the best choice. And we are humbled that he has made us human. We are amazed (laughs) that we know the Savior. We are amazed that the fullness of him is in us. But now we must rise to our nobility in him and believe it. And live from the fullness of Christ inside, not from head, not from emotions. And when those rise, they're normal. It's okay. Just bring him into the flow of his love. And just as surely as Michelangelo, when he was bringing that angel out of a statue or his statue of Christ on the cross, I'm sure he didn't take a sledgehammer and go at it. It was gentle, gentle, gentle. And he just gently wants to wash you with his love to reveal a little more of his image and a little more of his image in you. And, until you find yourself going, I, th- I think differently, I feel differently. When I'm with people, I really feel love for them. And you will fulfill his delight. And you will make his death and resurrection a full effect. Would you please come serve us communion? Communion is the place to be reminded of the truth. The body was broken for us. It was broken When they striped his back, it was broken. When they plucked his beard, when they put in the thorns, when they put in the nails. And the body, when you hold that bread in your hands, that body was to release the very presence of God that would bring healing to your physical body. By his stripes, by the brokenness of his body, your body is healed. Your youth is renewed. Your strength is miraculous. That's what that body was for. It was broken so that now the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead could be in our bodies. And when? You drink the cup. It is the blood, not just for the forgiveness of your sins. It is the blood of a covenant that says you will be my child forever. And all I have is yours. And every promise in my word is yours. I want to give you a few moments to just hold the bread and cup and worship and just let him love on you for a moment and then we will take it together. Would you worship, please?
1: The surface of my anxious imagination Beckons a calmness that is found in you alone It washes over every doubt, every imperfection Jesus, your presence Is the comfort of my soul There's nowhere I'd rather be When you're singing over me I just wanna be To me. I'm found in your life.